0: Did you know you can only
1: find their gear at Target? It's true. So hurry over need is, love, love, love is all you. Need. Deck the halls with a new Salt City Hoops podcast. It's Christmas week, but it's also been a minute since the Clayton brothers came at you with a Salt City Hoops podcast to talk all things jazz. Uh, so that's what we're doing. We're giving you a special little bit of holiday cheer in the form of Dan Clayton, that's this guy, and Ken Clayton, that's that guy, talking basketball with you. Ken, how you doing? Doing good, but I'm going to have to get my game up if this is a special edition. Well, they're all special in one way or another. <laughs> right. Right. We uh, we're recording this once again from opposite sides of the land, although in mere days, we'll be uh, both descending upon the home of the Utah Jazz. We'll spend a few days together in Salt Lake City.
0: We could literally record our next podcast from the bedroom we shared uh, for a handful of years.
1: Right. We could. Um, Speaking of special, not like it resembles the bedroom we shared, because since then walls no. have been knocked down and, you know, other things have happened. But yeah, we it could be like a, a historicity laden Salt City Hoops podcast. We'll uh, we'll look into that for you. We'll look into that <laughs> <laughs> uh, this time around, though, we uh, have a lot to talk about because the jazz have been, you know, playing well. They have won. I don't know a lot out of a lot of their games. What is it now? Ten out of twelve,
0: or eleven out of thirteen, or let's. Say, I don't know. Many. It's, it's been
1: many, many games. The Jazz like to win games, and they have been doing that recently. And they've been doing that for a lot of reasons. Gordon Hayward has been playing consistently well. Um, they're starting to get some guys back from injury. Um, different bench players have, at different points in the process, played uh you know better than they have in the past or um or more consistently Joe Ingles has come alive as not just a decent three point threat but the NBA's best three point shooter and among other things the Jazz have a player who according to him a player who he thinks is the best center in the NBA so we're going to start there today and I'm going to, I'm just going to come, we're just going to go right to it, Ken. I'm going to ask you the question, point blank, is Rudy Gobert right now the best center in the NBA?
0: Probably not, but he's playing pretty amazing and he's, uh, he's in the discussion.
1: Yeah. Well, he, I mean, he put himself in the discussion. Well, so. exactly. <laughs> so we're discussing this because Rudy Gobert was featured in an article that dropped today on ESPN where the jazz big men told the worldwide leader and our mothership by the way uh he told tim mcmahon of espn um to be honest right now i think it's me when mcmahon asked him who the best big man is in the nba sorry the best center is in the nba i think it's me but it's a long season i just try to take every game as a challenge the hardest thing is to do it for the full season so that was Gobert on ESPN.com. Um, which which begs the question. Okay, so if he's not the best center, where, you know, where do we where do we put Rudy Gobert right now? Who are the other best centers? Who are the other guys in that discussion? And uh and where does where does Rudy sit relative to the rest of the NBA's elite centers?
0: Well, when we talked earlier, we or we messaged and decided this was going to be a topic I jumped into some stats and thought, let's see where everybody is because I haven't paid as much attention to some of the other bigs and the other centers out there. Imagine I mean, that, the, the math guy jumped yeah. into stats. Yeah. So I looked at, I mean, what you, let me get your opinion first. What are the What are the stats? Let's talk basic stats to begin with before we get into anything advanced. What are you going to look at to judge a center?
1: Well, I mean, that's the thing. When we're having the conversation about quote-unquote best center in the NBA – I'm probably going to look past counting stats and go straight to some macro stats, um, which are quote unquote advanced. But I and I think just the thing with those is you need to understand the liabilities of each one and and understand that there are some things that some count more heavily and, and some have blind spots. So I didn't I didn't necessarily look at it in terms of counting stats, but I think he's like 12 and 12 right now, isn't he?
0: Yeah, something like that. Well, I'll tell you, I just started because I, I opened up uh, Basketball Reference leaderboards, and you know, as you scroll down the screen, you're starting with the basic counting stats and the average stats, and then you get down into some of the other more macro stats, as you call them. And uh, you know, I'm when I think of nurse and you know, if you go back 10 or 15 or whatever years, we didn't have all the big macro stats. We we just looked at points, rebounds, blocks, assists. Steals, you know, that stuff, and I. So I think for a big guy, I'm looking at points, shooting percentage, block, rebounds are the primary things. Um, you know, some steals and some assists are great too. Uh, and the only the only flaw I saw in his assessment of him as the top is is in the rebounding category. Even though he's he is uh, high up there, he's not the highest he's number seven basically almost across the board whether you look at offensive rebounds defensive rebounds he's number five total rebounding number five and then rebounds per game number seven again in the league and most of the guys ahead of him aren't just bigs they're centers
1: Mm -hmm. yeah makes sense. so that's
0: the one place where i saw where you know you just a little bit thought well are you the top center in the league if you are that far behind a wide-sided drum, and uh, even a Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan, and then really close to Tyson Chandler and and Gortat and Washington. But that's 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 on the rebounds per game, by the way. So that that's the only place where I saw. Well, say you're the top guy might be a little out there. But you know, when you look at the advanced stats and some of that stuff, you do get a little bit of a different story.
1: Yeah, I mean, so rebounds per game um sides at 14.8 Andre Drummond is at 13.7 yeah. Dwight and Deandre at 13 apiece and then you have kind of a virtual tie with Tyson Chandler, Marcin Gortat and Rudy Gobert 11.8, yeah. 11. 11.8, 11. 11.6 respectively. So I hear you. I I I I looked at um kind of the all-in numbers. Um lately my my macro stat of choice is value over replacement player um yep don't ask me why i just have sort you know that's just sort of the one i've gravitated towards um rudy gobert is 12th overall in the league in that metric um he's just ahead of i i assume for the sake of this argument we're going to refer to anthony davis as a power forward right
0: probably we might need to check with tim duncan on that okay
1: <laughs> I mean, in years past, I think he played a lot more minutes with guys like Ryan Anderson. I think these days he's, he's you know, quote-unquote a power forward. So yeah. so Rudy's 12, Anthony Davis is 13, but maybe he doesn't count for this discussion. DeMarcus Cousins is 14, Mark Gasol is 16, um, and those are the only centers that make the top 20 in value-over replacement player. Um, win shares, which is... Um, You know, win shares has a lot of blind spots. Win shares is not a perfect metric. Um, It's basically kind of the same methodology as per, just taken and, you know, meted out based on the number of wins a team has. And Rudy is fifth in win shares in the league, by the way, not among centers, in the league. He's fifth fifth in win shares and he is fourth in win shares per 48 minutes, the best the best center by far in those two metrics. And then in ESPN's real plus minus, which is purely a on court stat, except that then they adjust it for teammates and opponents. He is the second best center. He is 18th in the league, just behind Marcus Gasol, who's 12th in the league. So I think based on those metrics, um, and that does, and this doesn't even get into like the scouting report and how Rudy Gobert impacts games and impacts shots and the the way that he um, messes with the minds of offensive players around the league, I, I think just from a macro stat standpoint, you could make a case that um, that at the very least he has caught up with the NBA's elite centers.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I, I looked at all those same lists that you mentioned and and, and oh. even a few others. And the thing that's consistent on all of them, and while they do all have their blind spots, is that he's top one, two, three among centers in all of them. So whether it's offensive rating, defensive rating, win share, win share per 48, uh, you mentioned value over replacement player, He's, he's getting to the point where he's in the top five of all players in the league in some of them, but certainly a top big man, top center in every single one of them.
1: Yeah. And and then, like I say, you get into the anecdotal stuff. And I know this is dangerous because um, I don't know about you, Ken, but I don't watch Andre Drummond 82 times a year. I don't watch Hassan Whiteside 82 times a year. So it's a little dangerous to go down this path. But just the number of nights that I watch games where I just v- visibly can see Rudy change the course of a game with his defense regardless of you know he's catching better he's finishing dunks better he's you know he's doing some things on offense the the fact that he's not afraid to get fouled anymore makes him um you know pretty aggressive i think and and he's not you know he's not trying to avoid contact down low, he's trying to get to the rack which is a, a nice change for rudy um but but mostly it's just the fact of How many like when we have the game ball discussions, which I know are kind of corny and reductive, but when we have the game ball discussions almost every night, he's someone that a ton of people mention on Twitter because they just they felt the impact he had, whether it was for a quarter or a half or an entire game or a six minute stretch. They just felt those few minutes where because Rudy was on the court, nobody wanted to go into the lane or else they did go into the lane and they just couldn't make anything happen there.
0: Yeah, and then and then on the other end of the court, he the reason I think he's as high as he is in all these categories is not just the defensive end, which has been spectacular, um, but it's that he's doing great things with the ball down there. And they you know there they showed the stat it was probably two or three games ago that he was one point nine nine points per shot. And if you look back at the the history of the Jazz, the best season ever turned in by it was either Dantley or Karl Malone was one point five six. So if he keeps this up, and he's most likely over 2.0 points per game now because I think he was 6 out of 7 in the next game and 9 out of 9 in the last game, which was Memphis, uh, he's he's just continuing to score, not at will, and it's, it's not because of his polished offensive game, it's because... He's mostly diving to the rim. He he does have some moments where he looks like he's got some moves that he's working on. But mostly it's diving to the rim, going after the offensive rebounds. And for, like you mentioned, finally getting to the line and doing something while he's there. I think it was 8 out of 10 last night, which is spectacular given his history.
1: Yeah. Um, Last night being Memphis, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mentioned that. But yes, recording this Monday night after the Memphis game.
1: Gotcha. Um, where again, I mean, you know, he had a, a massive defensive impact. Um, he was part of the reason why Marc Gasol was four for 22. Obviously the team defense helped other players helped and who knows if, you know, Marc Gasol, whatever had too heavy a lunch, we, you know, like it's, it's always, it, it I, I always wince when people attribute someone's four for 22 entirely to one player. Um, but that was the type of game we're talking about. So let me ask you this with no warning here. Let's just I'm i am looking at some of the top names and um, across across a bunch of these metrics. And I just like gut reaction. Would you take Rudy over? Um, would you take Rudy over DeMarcus Cousins? Yes. OK. And by the way my my the premise here is like we're on our way into a gym right now to play a basketball game this isn't like who would you start a friend although that's important that's another discussion but i just mean if if he's asserting i'm the best center right now i think the question is if we're picking teams and we get to you know go to battle tonight for a million dollars um who do i want on my team demarcus or rudy and you're saying you want rudy
0: I think that I would between those two guys. I would probably have the same answer either way, whether I'm starting the franchise, which is how I thought you were going to be meaning the question, or who would I want to play with tonight, or you know, going for the million dollars or whatever. Um, no, I think it, Rudy still got a lot of upside, so that's why I was thinking that with the, on the franchise direction question, the way I was hearing you ask. But no, I mean I saw what he did again. To Marcus Cousins, and if you go back a few more games, what he did against Dwight Howard, and he slowed down Marcus All, and he's been doing that. He's been taking the challenge. I think he's had a chip on his shoulder when he's up against a top center, and he's been backing it up.
1: Okay. So next one is we're on our way into the gym. We're picking teams. You can have Dwight, or you can have Rudy.
0: I still probably Rudy although i think the franchise side still weighs heavily in my mind but yeah i mean i i think i would having seen him play recently and and having seen Rudy really
1: slow him sure let's get some easy ones out of the way here um well i i don't know maybe it's easy maybe it's not andre drummond or rudy
0: andre drummond i'm going to be kind of like what you said earlier is which is i don't, I don't watch him play as often or and haven't seen him play as often in a career so, Still, we'll probably go with Rudy, though.
1: Um, A guy that gets listed as a center in RPM rankings. Um, I know he plays a lot of. He he was a center in Atlanta. I know he plays a lot of center in Boston. I don't know that he's exclusively there, um, positionally. But Al Horford, if you could have Al Horford for the night or Rudy Gobert for the night,
0: probably still Gobert.
1: Okay, all right. I like I like the boldness. I think that's the fir- I think that's the first one where I'd think about it just because we're talking about a guy who not that long ago was like considered very elite had a weird health year last year and then this year he's figuring things out on a team that may or may not have chemistry problems but you know I I, th- I think I think you could I think you could sell me on Rudy just because Al Horford's going to go get a lot of buckets um and he and he can create his own bucket which is something that like you just talked about Rudy doesn't necessarily do yet, but, um, but yeah, I, I think you can sell me on the fact that he, that Rudy impacts a game more. Um, all right. The last one I'm going to ask is the, is the obvious one. Um, because I think if you're talking about best centers in the NBA, this is, this is the guy who people sort of have to be measured against right now. Um, and Rudy faced him 24 hours ago. Uh, Rudy and Mark You
0: see 24 hours after that game it's hard to go With <laughs> not go with Rudy But I mean I think you, you, yeah, if you look If you're really doing this for one game For one night My only my only problem with that Is that's not how it works you you, know, you pick a guy For long term but if you, one night You probably play the odds and go with And go with Gasol and, and maybe you even do with Horford like you said you you at least would think The other way but The way I would envision the question is who do you want? Who do you want to go forward with? Uh, You know, Gobert at 24 years old and, and as much as he's improved just in the last, just since the, we tipped off the season. Mm -hmm. um, You got to feel like you know, hopefully there's even still some more upside. And I, I sure think there is because he, he seems to be a hard worker. He seems to be a competitor, um, which I love because one thing, one of the, issues i've had with the jazz over the past few years and, and and you know even sometimes back into you know the Stockton era is emotion you know sometimes i i feel like there could be more emotion malone never had that problem but you know some of the others sometimes did but i love to see that from gobert i think he gets the team going not just with the blocks but with his emotion even though sometimes he goes a little overboard with a couple of his uh his things already on this year
1: yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
0: The 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 mouth guard or whatever that was, whichever game that was.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I still think that was overblown. Um, or oh, or I, I, or at least I think the reaction by his coach was overblown because that was the other Memphis game, and Quinn Snyder wound up leaving him on the pine for the rest of that game. I guess to teach yeah. him a lesson about what to do with his basketball accessories. And the Jazz lost a winnable game, so I, you know. But I but I hear you. I I do think. Um, There's emotional energy and there's emotional maturity, and it's nice to have um, equal parts of both. Uh, The one guy we haven't really talked about is DeAndre, and I suppose that's a little unfair that we haven't talked about him since he was the first team all-NBA center last year. Um, You know, DeAndre has a similar role in the offense to what Rudy has for the Jazz, um, in the sense that they don't ask him to go create buckets. Um, You know, I I don't want to play a Hassan Whiteside here and minimize either guy's role to just being lob catchers Um, but I but I think you know really they're supposed to be the endpoints of their respective offenses Um, although I think Rudy with where he's at right now has a significant edge in the fact that um, he's no longer terrified of the free throw line and DeAndre still is and then defensively while I do think DeAndre is good defensively I also think he's pretty overrated defensively I don't think he is the elite stopper um, that Rudy can be you know like I say a game a quarter a half at a time. So I, I mean adding it all up for me I mean it it seems like you know Mark is kind of still the guy that that he's jostling for position you could you could make the case about Horford one way or another you, you know we can we can compare him to DeAndre in in stylistic terms it sounds like like rudy's maybe not correct about being the best center but he's at least close in that he's you know no worse than top five probably top three and maybe even top two does that sound
0: fair i would 100 percent agree with that in fact i just pulled up because you mentioned deandre jordan being the, the uh all-NBA first team last year, which I had forgotten. So you, you had Jordan, you had Cousins on the second team, you had Andre Drummond on the third team. Throw Marcus all into the mix because of how he's playing this year, but you got to think that Rudy could land on one of those three teams this year. It, it's not a stretch at all. You know, we've we got 50 games to go or 45 or whatever we have, more than 45.
1: Which is funny because I don't necessarily think Rudy's a shoo-in to be an All-Star, and yet you're right; he could very likely wind up as All-NBA. Um, well, in fact, that's
0: the thing because they go they go on the position, not the bigs. So, yeah, because they vote they vote they vote specifically centers, and in the All-Star voting, centers sometimes fall out because there are power forwards that are sexier.
1: Well, in fact, they do three front court and two guards, so technically, yeah. you could have lebron paul george and uh Otto porter okay that's a bad example but you i mean you know you could have you could wind up with three wings really as you're starting front court in an all-star game um, which is I really too bad because they for... they're all about defense
0: yeah i forget how they vote for it because i pay so little attention <laughs> to all-star voting honestly
1: but well I, well actually i wanted to talk about that too because as we talk about gobert and and if he's um you know, If he's really a top three, top two center in the NBA, then he should be at the All-Star game. And um, and yet, I think it's going to be hard for him to make it. Uh, just today, the Associated Press is reporting that the NBA is going to make changes to how the starters are voted in. It's no longer going to be a pure fan vote. It'll be 50% fan vote, 25% player vote, and 25% the media panel, the same media panel that picks postseason awards or, or after the after the season awards um now i i don't i don't think that that equation is going to add up to gobert gets a starting spot what it could do is it could take a a play you know a player who captures some sort of demographic zeitgeist like yao ming or um i mean that's not fair yao ming was an all-star either way but but he probably Also if
0: he makes this year there's a real problem with the voting.
1: Well, but yeah, yeah exactly. I I mean there are guys that There are guys every year that don't necessarily deserve to be all-stars, but the fans just love them too much to deny them that. Now, in a case of like Kobe Bryant in 2016, he was an all-star by a big enough margin in the votes that I don't think this 50-25-25 thing necessarily would have kept him home. And you know what? On a level, I'm actually kind of okay with that because I think he was there more for legacy reasons and whatever. But my point is, if if the new structure could keep someone out of the all, out of starting in the all-star game who doesn't belong in the all-star game at all, um, then ostensibly that opens up another spot for another bench player. And, you know, maybe that's where a Gordon Hayward gets in. Maybe that's where a Rudy Gobert gets in. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm looking at the West and I don't necessarily see that guy who only sneaks in by a small margin, because you know, because of a rabid fan base. Um, but still, I just I like the fact that they're turning it into somewhat more of a meritocracy um, by by letting the, the players and the media influence that vote.
0: Yeah, the players could be an interesting thing because you just every every once in a while you have a player who's a who's a good player and a deserving All Star, but he's not somebody who other players might vote for as much at least that's been a perception I've had to with some players over the year. Uh, you know, Carmelo was an example. I wondered if as many players would have voted for him because they were back in the day, so many players complained they were playing against him. He was dirty whatever. I don't think it would have kept him out, but it might've made it a closer race.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I think, uh, I, I think, I think all of last year's West starters, um, deserve to be in the all-star game, whether they deserve to be starters or not. I think everyone who started in the West is going to be an all-star again. So I don't necessarily think it opens up a spot in the West. Here's what I think opens up a spot in the West. Um, Kobe Bryant retired. So there's a spot. And I really think that, um, DeMarcus cousins is not going to repeat. I think he got it last year because their record was better early and there were all these feel good stories about how he had you know, turned it around and was leading a decent team. Well, they're not decent anymore. And he's once again the center of attention for all the wrong reasons. So I think that there are probably two spots at minimum up for grabs. Um, but there's Carl Anthony Towns, there's Damian Lillard, there's Gordon Hayward, all who didn't make it last year. So, like, even before we get to Rudy, um, or maybe we, you know, maybe we should list, list Rudy before we list Hayward. Although that's probably the subject for another podcast. But just before, like I just, there are more guys sort of standing in standing in the deli line with their um, their little take one number than there are spots that I that I'm positive will open up, unless this Blake injury winds up being something serious. And that and I think that's the key to the Jazz getting multiple players in. If the Jazz get both gobert and hayward in the all-star game i think it'll be because somebody is you know watching in a suit
0: yeah and i think i I think you're right i think at least the current landscape assuming griffin's going to make it and he probably Mm. makes it anyway even if he is in a suit and then somebody replaces him uh i think hayward and gobert will to some extent hurt each other's chances unless unless there's going to be more than third more than 12 all-stars because of an injury and then uh all-stars and also stars i used mm-hmm. to call them the year that made the made the team um yeah but i think you got to get past the you, you got a bunch of guys waiting in the wings that probably aren't shoe-ins the Lamarcus aldridge i'm looking at a, an article that uh, andy larson wrote on ksl.com free plug for you andy um aldridge cousins gobert green jordan and towns are the group that hayward probably has to beat out to get in um so is there room for hayward and gobert maybe not unless somebody's somebody in his top six isn't making it and that could be griffin if if the injury lasts a little longer
1: yeah true although i mean as of today as of today i'm taking Gordon over LaMarcus Aldridge. I'm not sure I could take Gordon over Kat. Um, but, I, but I mean, I think that's where... I think that's Gordon's ticket in. To your point, if it's about two guys, then I, I think someone else has to be dinged up.
0: Yeah, well, he's saying, yeah in Andy's list, he's not counting Aldridge as an in. He's counting Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, Kawhi Leonard, and Marc Gasol as the five kind of sure things. And then Hayward has to beat everybody else out that I mentioned to get to be number six front court. And maybe there's a seventh front court guy, but that's what we don't know
1: yet. Yeah. Yeah. So so
0: he's got to beat Aldridge, Cousins, Gobert, Green, Jordan, and Towns. And so if he don't think he's ahead of Towns right now, then, he's, then his only shot is to be the seventh front court guy. And again, he's playing good enough, well enough, I should say. Before you correct me, um, he's playing well enough that you know he he could be there as well. All those last couple of games, he's slid a little bit again. He's he's. Um, I'm not ready to have a sky is falling podcast about Gordon Hayward's injury injured finger again, but uh, the last two or three haven't been as strong.
1: Uh yeah, um, yeah. I, like I I had zero problems with his performance against Memphis. By the way, I you know. I, no, I, I no, think Memphis
0: it's, was another good one.
1: I think it's a conversation that that um I'm I'm reacting to you, even though you're not saying the things that I react to when I <laughs> I just think that there's there are a lot of people who don't understand the impact that he has on everything the Jazz do because of the nature of being a team's best player, that that means that the attention that you're gonna absorb, you're You're either going to, you know, try to smash through walls and score anyway and get your 30 points on 29 shots or you're going to do what Hayward has been doing, which is, you know, by and large making good basketball decisions. And um, so I'm actually I'm I'm not too worried about his last two or three games. I think for the most part, he is doing what Quinn wants him to do, which is kind of let the offense flow to the path of least resistance. But I but I hear you. With the especially with the finger, yeah. it's a thing to watch, right? Um yeah. and if he has too many more 5 of 13, 4 of 11, those ty- those kinds of nights, then you know, it's it's worth asking questions about. Yeah. Um no, and I
0: said I didn't I wasn't really going there, but I but I ha- I you know, just started to think about it. That 13 point game and 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 it wasn't just the 4 of 11, it was more the 11 because I felt like the jazz were just having a hard time finding anybody who wanted to take a shot. And uh, I think he and Rodney led the team with 11 attempts each. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would have, I, I know what you're saying about letting the game flow where it flows, but, but it wasn't flowing anywhere else really. Cause nobody else besides Rodney with the last second shot even took over 10 shots.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Um, it was, it, that that game was a disappointing game on a lot of levels um th- for me the weirdest thing was just how passive hayward was in the first quarter he played really well in the second quarter most of the jazz's buckets in the second quarter were either scored or assisted by gordon um yeah and then the defense made it tough for him in the third and fourth and and i felt like there were a few plays late where he was like you know what i'm gonna i'm just gonna try to make something happen anyway and those didn't really end the right way <laughs> so um you know i guess it's one of those careful what you ask for things cuz the jazz also don't want him to like i say just go out like a bull in a china closet and try to get the ball to the hoop cuz sometimes that doesn't work out yeah um well let's switch gears i um feels like we've been on rudy and the all-star thing for a minute um there's something else we wanted to talk about and it's and it's primarily revolving around a pair of guys that we haven't spoken about yet because they haven't really been playing much of late um so i don't know ken do you want to do you want to tee this up because i think most of the questions you were um you were talking about i think you got a good sense of what the right questions are we should be approaching here
0: pressure yeah no so my question that i had was you know at the start of the season go back two months we were all exhuming (laughs) as uh not exhuming We didn't exhume anybody. Although the way
1: way that Jazz's injuries have gone, it might not be. (laughs) At some point, exhuming someone might be a good way to get to a minimum roster.
0: There you go. So we were assuming we were going to have some uh, extensions happening with Derek Favors and George Hill in the near future. Basically, that situation needs to happen this year on the current salary cap uh, to use cap space and be able to extend them more than they would be able to in the future. And what we've seen is we, well, what we haven't seen is Derek favors and and George Hill playing very many games. And so my question to you was at this point in time, December 19th, 2016, is that something the jazz should still be looking at or should they be uh, being a little more cautious now, given how the <laughs> start of the season, both players
1: in case they have to exhume one or both of them.
0: well hopefully not but uh yeah i i I just wonder about that what's your take on that
1: well uh i you know one thing i've heard a lot of is the logic of if an extension was going to be done for either guy it would have been done by now i i dismiss that logic out of hand i think a lot of the reason why it made sense to wait is because the jazz wanted to see what the new collective bargaining agreement would offer them in terms of um you know in terms of tools to to keep either guy or or keep both guys or um, maneuver other things cap-wise in a way that would make it more palatable to do so. And, you know, we're actually still in the process of finding out what the new collective bargaining agreement um, entails. The 30 teams all have um, the term sheet that was agreed to last week, as as does the players' union. And um, I think we're still sort of parsing through what is – you know what is likely to come out of that for a Hill or a Favors type. Now, from reports, it does not sound like the impact is going to be major to Hill or Favors. Um, they added an extra year to veteran extensions so they could be locked down for longer, um, and they also made the first year of a veteran extension that, uh, if it doesn't include a renegotiated salary in the existing term, um, the new the new years can now start at 120% of the last year's salary. It used to be 107%. That's not going to help Derek or Hill because both of them are so, um, I don't want to say underpaid. They're appropriately paid for the the era in which they signed. But, but given the new economics of the NBA, they're kind of underpaid. So I don't think that 120% gets them anywhere close to what their mar- market value is going to be. And I think – so knowing that there's not a silver bullet in that came out of the negotiations between the players and the owners, I think you're right. I think it becomes a question of, um, not I, I'm not as concerned about the health thing. I think I think fans tend to I think we tend to overreact a little bit to health stuff in the sense that like I I, I don't really believe in the concept of injury prone in ninety five percent of the cases you know may Curtis Borchert rest in wherever he is like that that kind of guy is the exception I think ultimately Derek Favors will be fine and he'll go back to being at least what he's already proven proved himself to be which is a 16 and 8 guy like that's at some point Derek Favors is going to once again be a 16 and 8 guy who protects the lane pretty well and can also switch and guard in space and that's a pretty valuable player right there I think the bigger question is given the fact that um, now George Hill looks to have played his way into a different salary tier. I'm not sure that there's a way that they can pay both guys and avoid the tax as early as next season, the luxury tax, by the way, Um, which it has sounded historically like the jazz just don't want to go into the luxury tax territory at all as a principle. Um, and even if they're willing to balk, you know, even if they're willing to to teeter on that and, and consider going the other way, it would probably be to keep a contender together and not to keep a team that's not really proven yet. So I think that's the bigger question. The math I was doing in the preseason was based on, hey, when Hill hits free agency next summer, he's probably going to make 15 to 18 million a year. So if the Jazz could get him an extension that gets him in the 15 to 18 million range, he'd probably take that extension now i'm not sure 15 to 18 does it because now he looks like um you know games played aside he looks like a guy who's probably a top 10 point guard which means he's going to make mike mcconnell mike connelly money um or at least or at least something over the 20 million mark and if you've got a budget 20 million for him and you've got a budget um you know something close to the max for Derek favors um all of a sudden, you start running out of room under the tax. So that was a long as hell answer, but well, yeah. I was just going to say they also just you know gave Gobert big money. They're going
0: to give Hayward big money, hopefully next year. So yeah, the the uh, cash box is going to be running a little short sometime soon.
1: Yeah. So to me, that's the nature of the extensions question: is um, at some point do they have to start picking guys? And- and they will,
0: because that's how teams continue to go. I mean, we've seen what happened to OKC in the past few years. They had three guys who looked like they were going to go forward and, you know, win some championships. And now two of them are doing it elsewhere. Uh, um, that's how teams move forward. They're, you know, you could have said the same thing back in the late 80s. It looked like Carl Malone, John Stockton, and Thorough Bailey were going to grow all together. And then Thorough Bailey didn't grow all together with the other two. Although he came back from when he was already old,
1: right? Exactly, and now he's even older and still hanging around the um, ESA Delta Center, Viv, whatever that place is called. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, and, and and that's the thing. I I think the Jazz are actually getting close to the point in the in the process where some of those decisions are going to be made for no other reason than that. Um, y- you know, I I actually think they got a good deal on Rudy. They got um. Like they got in a range it it met my wildest expectations on how cheap they could get him, let me put it that way. Um I had said that they that they might be able to lock him up for an inflation adjusted favors, Sergi Baca, Nick Vucevic type deal, and that's essentially what they got him for. Um and then and then you know, like I say, Gordon Hayward, well, like you said, really, Gordon Hayward is going to get the he's going to get a max offer next year. It's just going to happen. If if he's going to play for the Jazz, it's probably going to be for max money. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know. I guess it's it's probably time. What it's time for Dennis Lindsay to do is actually think about the power structure on this team if it becomes a contender in the next few years, and really make long hard decisions about okay, who's the best guy if we're competing for a championship in the next five years? Who's the second best guy if we're competing? And once he's answered those questions, then if your answer is Derek Favors is my fourth best guy, and I don't know that it is, by the way. I'm just saying, um, and as, as recently as two months ago, I probably would have said Derek Favors when healthy, was the second best guy on this team. But if the answer has shifted enough because of Rudy's acceleration and how good George Hill has looked, that Derek Favors is now your fourth best guy, then you probably can't afford to pay your fourth best guy the max. Um, or maybe they still have hope that at some point he's that guy. He's that 16-8 and eight defensive Swiss Army knife who's going to keep getting better. And, and you know, I, I don't envy Dennis Lindsay because I don't think there's a crystal ball big enough to figure all this out today, but those are the types of questions that are going to drive the extension thing, I think.
0: Yeah, and it also becomes a question of, If you have to choose between extending a George Hill and extending a Derek Favors, you're risking losing the other. So it's more of a, do I want George Hill and a uh, sit-down for this one, Trey Lyles or whoever else we can get in Derek Favors' place, or do I want Derek Favors and Dante Exum or whoever else we can get to replace George Hill? Because eventually you might have to choose between those two, assuming that Gobert's already locked in and assuming Hayward stays.
1: And by the way, if Exum and Lyles had looked better so far this year um, than they have, I mean, they've both had good games and good moments. But on the whole, both guys still look like they're pretty far off from contributing to a winner. So if that sure. if that weren't the case, then maybe you have a little bit more faith thinking about a future without favors if Lyles is playing well or a future without Hill if Exum is playing well. As of right now, you know, the the Jazz lose one of those guys and you— and all of a sudden you're depending on Lyles for 32 minutes a night, that's a that's not a great prospect if the Jazz want to keep winning 50 games a year. Well, start winning 50 games a year, and then keep winning 50 games a year.
0: Yeah, because presumably going forward, you don't have Diao in the mix. Uh, he's only under contract this year, and I don't know that he'll... Not, not that he may not want to, but just I don't know that he's in the mix in a future year. So some of those minutes that uh Trey Lyles isn't getting he'd need to pick up some of those if favors wasn't here and Diao wasn't here in fact <laughs> the the land share of them and they still need somebody else to pick up minutes with him
1: yeah um well again it's it's probably a question for another time given um how yeah. long we're going but the but DL isn't an, is another interesting thing as we talk about the salary situation because he can be waived before next summer and his 7.5 million dollar salary for next year will come off the books and that'll help the Jazz manage their cap situation um and for the first 15 to 20 games he looked so terrible that it seemed like a foregone conclusion that that would happen and all of a sudden you're you're starting to see why they wanted Boris Diaw and it has nothing to do with counting stats it's just the fact that you know he he sees things and he makes things happen that um not a lot of big guys do so um, so he's an interesting one, you know. He's yeah. that's that's interesting. You know, maybe maybe they waive him and then you know see if he's around after they do what they need to do with their roster and see if he'd he'd come back for less. I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I had forgotten that that he does have the option next year, the the team option, right, or non-guaranteed for it's the a, following year.
1: Yeah, it's a non-guaranteed, but I think the date on it. I don't have my salary stuff in front of me. I think the date on it is the same as though it were a team option. So tomato, tomato. Point is, the Jazz can yeah. um, the Jazz can unload that 7.5, you know, on their terms, um, up to about the end of June, whatever whatever the exact date is. So. Uh, july 15th by the way july 15th that's why i keep you around around there yeah um or not around that's why i keep you 2500 miles away
0: on on retainer in phoenix yeah
1: yeah um all right well cool i i think that will probably wrap us up i'm not missing anything right did we get our no we covered what we had planned to cover all right it's always nice when we can do that um all right. Well, the Jazz will press forward with a busy week. Uh, three games before Christmas, right? Uh, tomorrow night at Golden State. Wednesday, there. Sacramento. There's oh, Sacramento. So we can we can revisit the best center discussion right after they see DeMarcus.
0: Yes, and then the final game is Toronto visiting Salt Lake on the
1: 23rd. Uh, we will. Uh, keep talking about all of those games, both in writing at Salt City Hoops, and the next time we come at you with another Salt City Hoops podcast. Thanks for listening.
0: What's you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you... Bye, Bye.
1: wedding ceremony. Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.
0: All you need is
1: love. The Beat Bugs rock. Did you know you can only find their gear at Target? It's true, so hurry over. Love, love is all you need.